and thanks for tuning in to Conscious Business with the Corporate Yogi. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak. This podcast helps entrepreneurs develop the mindset needed to build and grow a conscious business. Whether you know it yet or not, your mindset is the subconscious blueprint that determines your success. Each episode, we explore the different ways that your business calls you forth to grow on a personal level and through your relationships. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Today, I want to talk about conflict, one of my favorite topics, and I'm hoping to challenge the way you see conflict so that maybe, just maybe, you start to see it as a good thing. I really want you to know that experiencing conflict is perfectly normal. But how you handle the conflict, well, that's character defining. You are always at choice to do one of three things. You either avoid it, you can participate in it and add fuel to the fire, or you can learn how to gain intelligence from it. So here's what you're going to learn today. In our first segment, we're going to deep dive into conflict and really understand what it means. In our second segment, we'll look at how conflict is actually intelligent. Our third segment, I introduce you to systems theory and the third entity, heavy stuff. And then in our last segment, I'll give you five practical tips for handling conflict. But first, I want to start with a story. Today, I want to talk about a major conflict that I witnessed during one of my yoga teacher trainings. We had many guest lectures during the training, and one of my favorites and most fascinating speakers brought forth some pretty cutting-edge theories on the human body. He taught his content over multiple days, but on the very first day, he warned us that not everyone was going to be able to believe what he was about to teach, that it was somewhat controversial, and that by the end of it, people would be hating him and challenging it. And well, you know, with this kind of an introduction, I mean, we were riveted. All I could think was, bring it on. We need something to shake things up in here. So we hung on his every word. I mean, what could he possibly teach us about anatomy or the human body that would be so controversial that it would cause conflict? Now bear in mind that the room was full of hundreds of teachers in training, many of which had come from either traditional or alternative medicine, uh, a lot of people from health and fitness, lots of massage therapists and personal trainers. So lots of people that were very educated about anatomy and the human body. And the entire scenario played out exactly as he had predicted. By the end of our last day together, he had so many people in the audience in a complete outrage. They were challenging his credibility, disagreeing with his theories, and it was complete and utter conflict. So what did he present that was so controversial? Well, some of you might have heard about it. It's the tensegrity model, and he applied it to the human body. In very simple terms, the model explains how the human body stands upright because of the soft tissue holding everything together, rather than what is traditionally thought of as the skeleton being the vertical force that holds the body upright. Our bones actually float in a sea of soft tissue or fascia. And I think it's a fascinating and slightly controversial way to look at the body, but it helps us to understand why everything in the body is connected and why sometimes we have a problem with our knee, but it's actually linked to something going on in another area. But back to the story, presenting this theory caused chaos in the room. People were horrified with what he was presenting. There was a mad rush to the microphone for people to disclaim the theory, to question his credibility and challenge his character. 
It's at these times when our ego rushes forward to take charge and run the show. What he was presenting challenged the basis of what they had been taught. And rather than listening to the theory, taking time to process it and decide whether it was logical or not, the ego took over and caused outrage. And this is so often the case with conflict. We get flooded with new information, we're unable to process it efficiently, and our ego jumps in to take over and seemingly protect us from the other person, or in this case from the theory. And conflict happens when we feel threatened. So in the intro, I mentioned that conflict was a good thing. So what the heck did I mean by that? Here's the thing. All conflict happens for a reason. It isn't random. Avoiding conflict keeps us separate from others. Leaning into conflict and exploring it is an opportunity for connection. It's a chance to learn about ourselves and to strengthen our relationships. To understand what I mean, I want to share one of my favorite sayings that I learned when I studied at the Center for Right Relationship. Here goes. Every conflict has the seeds of resolution already within it. I'll say it again. Every conflict has the seeds of resolution already within it. The truth is we can never get rid of conflict by ignoring it and hoping it's just going to spontaneously go away. Trust me, I've I've tried over the years. It, It doesn't work. Conflict is significant and it's intelligent. You can never go around conflict like it's a mountain. You have to go through it. It's the only way. So this seeds of resolution concept It isn't really foreign to us. If you have a snake bite, you need some of the venom to make the anti-venom. So let's apply this to business in two ways. First, in proximity. If you're in conflict with someone, the solution lies in talking to that person, not in retelling the story to other people, not in sharing about how you were wronged. The further away you go from the source of conflict, the further away you are going from the solution. And by retelling the story of conflict, we are engaging in past telling, which is that nasty habit that we learned about way back in episode two. Past telling is an activity where we hold on to and we tell others a story of how we were wronged or of an injustice in our life. And it's usually something that we tell over and over again. When we engage in past telling, we deny living in the present moment. Now, the second way I want to apply this to business is with effort. How much time and energy are you spending holding on to how you were wronged? The more energy you spend holding on to being a victim, the less energy you can spend finding a solution or learning the intelligence in the conflict. So if conflict is so awesome, why do we avoid it all the time? And why does it make us feel so bad? Well, first off, many of us have been conditioned to believe that it's bad, and we put a label of negative on it. We sometimes feel shame or embarrassed if we're involved in conflict, as if it reveals some sort of character flaw in us. Wow, I must be really hard to get along with. And you know what this is, right? This is your saboteur at work, likely an image consultant saboteur who wants you to spend all your time worrying about what other people think of you, instead of just spending your time being you and being authentic. Now the other thing that often happens is when we find ourselves deep within conflict, instead of being patient and trying to listen to the other person's perspective or trying to find alignment between the two of you, our ego puts up a wall of separation. 
It goes into defensive mode and it tries to keep us separate from others. Our egos love conflict and drama because it gives us a chance to tell people how important we are. Our ego has an incessant need to be right. And remember my story at the beginning where the trainees revolted against our guest speaker? This was no doubt their egos running the show. Now, after I chose this story, I realized that there was a deeper meaning or a deeper intelligence, if you will, because relationships are to business what fascia is to your body. We don't often think of relationships as top of mind or critically important in business. We tend to think more strategically about hiring the smartest, the most qualified people. But the truth is relationships and the ability to communicate are the glue that holds everything together. And that's what really dictates your success. We often view a company as a collection of really intelligent people, but those people on their own do not make up a company. It is the relationship that exists between the people. It's the emotional connection. It's the shared history. It's the common objective or the purpose of everyone working together. You can think of this relationship as the culture that exists. Or in coaching, we use a fancy term called the third entity which is the energy dynamic that exists between people. And this is what we need to focus our attention on because this, the third entity, is where the true intelligence comes from. So we've been hanging out for a while now. This is our ninth episode. So I think it's time to introduce you to systems theory. Now, warning, this is where I completely geek out as a coach. I find this stuff fascinating and it really helps me to understand conscious business. But I'll be honest, it's a little bit heavy and I really hope I don't overwhelm you. So we often think of a system as a process or a series of steps that we take to complete a task, right? For today, I want you to fade that definition from your memory and I want you to think of a system in a completely different way. I want you to think of a system as a bunch of people, specifically a group of interdependent people with a common focus or an identity. And let me say that again. Think of a system as a group of interdependent people with a common focus or an identity. Examples of a system would be, you know, people working at the same company. It could be a bunch of family members, a sports team, maybe a club or a group of friends. Now the benefit of taking this systems perspective is that it helps us see things from the big picture view instead of getting all caught up in the weeds with somewhat insignificant details. It also helps us see if we are aligned with our purpose and heading in the right direction. In the last segment, I dropped the term third entity and the third entity is the relationship that exists between two or more people. And it's very powerful and very dynamic. Think of any relationship between you and someone else. Sometimes you might get along perfectly and your third entity is happy and positive, but then sometimes you might get into a fight and your third entity might feel strained or tense. Have you ever walked into a meeting of people with decidedly different opinions and you can just feel the tension in the air? The negative energy is just palpable. This is the third entity that you are experiencing. It is a very real thing and paying attention to it and observing it helps to take you outside of your own head and be completely conscious in a group setting. It allows you to observe what's really going on. 
Now in a business, we often explain the third entity as their culture. If you have 20 people in your company, let's say, the culture or the third entity is very unique. It's likely very close and friendly. Everyone's probably on a first name basis and very familiar and approachable. But as soon as you grow and you add people, the culture changes. Even adding one new person to the system will change the culture completely. This is why I get really frustrated when I hear people compare two companies and say, oh, our cultures are exactly the same. No, they're, they're not. Because culture is dynamic and it's unique based on the people, the experiences, the traditions, the relationships. Cultures may be similar and they might even share values, but it's like DNA. They're all unique. And the beauty of using a systems approach is that when conflict happens, there is intelligence within it. And by intelligence, I mean that the conflict is teaching us something that we need to know. We don't view conflict as a problem. We rather use it as a signal that change is happening in the system. So instead of looking at individuals to place blame and point fingers for what is happening, we take that big picture perspective and we try to understand what is happening within the system. Now I know I've thrown a lot of heavy content at you today. Systems theory, the third entity, tensegrity model. Phew. So thanks for hanging in there and making it all the way here to the end. This is important content that I want you to understand as a foundation for future episodes. I really think that that is probably enough theory for today, and I want to give you some practical tips. I want to give you five simple tips that you can use the next time you find yourself in conflict. Sound good? All right, tip number one, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Observe your emotions and get really clear about what is really bothering you when you're in conflict. Quite often, conflict arises because there's a mashup of many different emotions and many different layers to the conflict. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and don't make up stories to fill in details that you don't know. Get clear about what's really bothering you. Tip number two, own your part. Scan your conflict for defensiveness and remember that defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. Ask yourself, is there something here that I need to take responsibility for? I know this one isn't fun and in some cases there actually might not be something you need to take responsibility for. But if there is, admit you're wrong. I don't like to do it. I don't like being wrong. And I don't know what's worse, the physical act of having to admit that I'm wrong or dealing with that disappointment that in reality I'm actually not perfect. Oh my gosh, it's such a relief. But here's the deal. I'm getting better at it and I'll share my secret in case it helps. It is speed. If you've made a mistake, you usually have that feeling, you know, that icky feeling, that moment of realization that you messed up. Don't skip a beat. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just admit you messed up. The quicker, the better. Rip it off like a band-aid because if you don't, your ego is going to handle it and it's going to try to find ways to blame someone else for what you did wrong. And this is usually pretty messy how their actions caused you to make a mistake. And that is a great tweetable, by the way. Defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. And remember, for the most part, we actually can handle other people making mistakes. We expect it even. But where we get frustrated is when people don't admit that they're wrong or if they try to cover it up. Own your part. 
Tip number three, walk a mile in their shoes. Take a minute to look at the situation from the other person's perspective. What might they be feeling? How will this conflict impact them specifically? Stick to the facts. Remember that there's always three sides to every story. Your side, their side, and what actually happened. Let go of the need to be right and walk a mile in their shoes. Tip number four, address the conflict ASAP. Redirect your energy into finding a solution instead of perpetuating the problem. Avoid past telling of the story over and over again. The further away you are from the source of the problem, the further away you are from the solution. Don't be afraid to be the first person to reach out. Asking permission is a great skill to use here. Hey, would it be okay if we sat down to chat about our different perspectives on this issue? You might be ready to discuss this conflict right away, but don't make the assumption that they will be. Address the conflict ASAP. And tip number five, use the systems perspective. Now that you know about systems theory, start to put it into practice when you see conflict. Look at the system to see what is trying to happen. How is it evolving? What intelligence is there? For example, if you have recurring conflict between two different departments, rather than trying to smoke out who is responsible for the conflict and firing them, because let's be real, that rarely solves the problem, look at the bigger picture. Maybe you need to add more staff. Maybe you need to improve communication or change the workflow somehow. So let's recap these five tips. Number one, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Tip number two, own your part. Remember, defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. Tip number three, walk a mile in their shoes. Tip four, address the conflict ASAP. And tip number five, use the systems perspective. And it's time to start wrapping up here. I hope you've expanded your understanding of conflict. Remember that being around conflict doesn't make you a bad person, but how you resolve the conflict, that is character defining. For show notes or more information, visit thecorporateyogi.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the newsletter for any extra tools and resources. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I know that together we can pave this new way, this conscious way of doing business. Deep down inside, you know how powerful you are. Now it's time to step up and let the rest of us see it.